This is the Caniac Report. I am Sam Wallace. And wait, are the Canes on a 10-game winning streak? Alright guys, we are back with another episode of the Caniac Report. We hope you've had a great end to 2022 and are having a great start to 2023. And we know the Hurricanes, my gosh, they ended 22 on a fantastic note like I just reiterated in the one-liner at the beginning of this episode is that the Canes are on a 10-game winning streak, which is a franchise record. For this team of winning the most consecutive games. Just amazing how this team has been playing. Not only are they on a 10-game winning streak, but they're also on a 16-game point streak. So they haven't lost in regulation since November, which they lost 4 nothing against Arizona. So, I'm sure you guys are wondering, where is Sam Driscoll? Well, Sam Driscoll is not with us for this episode. He was He's out of town this weekend, but don't worry, he will be back. And honestly, he is with us in spirit, guys. Don't worry. So it's just going to be me. And for those of you who are just now listening to us, um, Sam Driscoll is the other co-host of this podcast. So what we're going to be talking about today is I'm going to split this up into three acts, basically, for this episode. The The first one is going to be us talking about some Canes news here. It's not a lot, but there is one piece of news that I do want us to talk about that is hugely going to possibly affect the Hurricanes lineup, as you guys probably know already. And then we're going to talk about the games this past week. And then the last part, what we're going to talk about, is uh, the 10-game winning streak that the Canes are on. Now, we're not going to go through all 10 games, because we basically already went through them. But I wanted to talk about this team as a whole for a second, of how how well they've been doing on this 10-game winning streak. So we'll start with the Canes news. Um, first piece of news that I wanted to bring up here is that NHL's Rookie of the Month has been awarded to Piotr Kachekov, and boy, he has earned it. He's earned it so much. I am so proud of Kachekov. He's been doing amazing, and I know I'm going to uh, say this uh, near the end of the, the episode, but during the past 10 games on this 10-game winning streak. Kachekov's played five of them, and he has posted a 9.55 save percentage. Now, that's not counting for the whole month. It's just counting for the past 10 win games that the Canes have had. But overall, he has been excellent, and he has kind of been the main reason why I think the Canes have been playing this good. So I am very excited for him. I hope he gets more recognition. That's basically what all of us Canes fans want. It really is. It's for him to get more 
more recognition. I do think he is going to be a nomination for the Calder Trophy, which, if you guys don't know what the Calder Trophy is, it is the best rookie of the year. I think the way he's been playing, if he keeps this up, he's definitely going to be nominated. I'd be surprised if he wasn't. Although, I was surprised to see that Anderson wasn't nominated last season, but I don't really want to get into that because the past is in the past. Right now, we need to talk about now and the future of this Canes team in this episode. So, uh, the next piece of news that we want to give to you guys is that the Canes assigned Jack Drury to Chicago. And here's the thing. If you are a Jack Drury lover, I don't think he is going to stay down there. I do think he is going to get called back up because, I mean, we're still relatively early in the season, even though I've already played about one-third of the season. Because I do think he's going to get called up. And part of the fact is, is that there are guys that are going to get injured. And you're going to need your depth, and Jack Drury is part of that depth. I do agree that I think Jack Drury, honestly, is an NHL player. He just hasn't, to me, been getting some luck. Because I do think he's played good, but there are times where he could be better. So Jack Drury, I do think overall, though, he is an NHL player. Definitely is. In fact, I want to point out that Jack Drury, he was actually selected in the second round in the 2018 draft when we selected Andrei Sveshnikov in the first round, who was number two overall. And I just want to say, ever since, I would say, Ron Francis has become general manager, our second round picks have been pretty good, I would say. <laughs> so, obviously, Sebastian Ajo, he, he was selected during the Ron Francis era. He's going to get the most hype, which I agree with. He is definitely a first-line center, in my opinion, and to me, he has been the face of the Hurricanes for such a long time. E- e- even with Justin Williams as captain, I still think Ajo was the face of the Canes. So he he was drafted in the second round. Another player, he's played for Florida, so we saw him during this past week, was E.T. Lusterainen. He seems to be turning it on for Florida, and he's another second-round pick that we drafted. And what happened is that we actually traded him to Florida in part of the Vincent Trocek deal. And even though, I mean, Florida has retained um, Lusterainen in that trade and we haven't really retained Trocek, I still think that was a good trade overall because I thought Trocek played really great for us here. Unfortunately, we just couldn't sign him long term. And I don't know if the money would have worked out here with him. So another player that was drafted in the second round who we just talked about, Kachekov, was drafted in the second round. And what's funny, that draft pick that we used to draft him was actually traded to us in the Jeff Skinner trade. And we all thought that that Jeff Skinner trade 
was kind of awful. We, Because I've heard so much complaining about that Jeff Skinner trade and the fact that we got nothing out of it. But now you look a f- quite a few years ahead of that, and we get Kachekov from that. That's pretty good. It, it really is. So I give props to Don Waddell and company on get getting some fruition out of that Jeff Skinner trade. Because at the time, everybody did not like the trade. A lot of people would say, oh, we just got poo out of it. Which is funny because part of the player that we got was uh, Cliff Poo. That was his last name. So another player that has been lighting it up actually in Chicago that we trapped in the second round was Jameson Reese, Vasily Panamarev, and Noel Gundler. These are players that haven't really hit the NHL yet, but they've been actually doing really well with uh, Chicago. And we hope that they possibly can become an NHL talent. I think Jameson Reese is closer to becoming an NHL talent than Vasily Panamarev and Noel Gunler. But those players are doing pretty well so far for Chicago. Even though Chicago hasn't had the best season, those players have definitely been a bright spot for Chicago. So, Hurricanes have been producing pretty good second-round talent. Which is good because it shows how good the scouting department is. And that's usually how I view the draft. I mean, there are times where there are no-brainers, obviously, especially in the first round. But when you get into the second to seventh rounders, that's really when your scouting department takes over. Being like, okay, we have done our work on this guy. I think we should draft him. And there's always this argument of either in the draft of taking the best player or taking a player that you need. I've always been in the bucket of you got to draft the best player that's available because you don't know what you're going to need in the next two to three years. That's mainly been my idea, but I think the scouting department has been excellent for Carolina ever since Ron Francis has taken over the helm here at Carolina, even though he's not the general manager here anymore. It's Don Waddell. So yes, and the last piece of news that we're going to get to, and this is the biggest news for you Canes fans out there, is that Bryn Moore stated this past week, that Max Pacioretty could be back within the next 10 games. That's huge, because when healthy, Max Pacioretty can be a 30-goal scorer, in my opinion. He's that good. And I'll, In fact, I was actually thinking in, in the making of this episode of, of talking about what the lines might be like for Max Pacioretty, but I want to do that with Sam probably maybe next week because I'm sure he might have some differing opinions on how the roster might shake up with Pacioretty in it. So it's going to be very interesting how the Lions are. I, I, I think the main thing, and I'll probably dig deeper in this in the next episode, 
is what do you want your fourth line to be like? I think that's the main key thing. Do you want to have Stasny or do you want to have KK on that fourth line? I think that's the biggest reason, biggest thing that's going on is what do you want your fourth line to be like? So it's going to be very interesting to see how Max Pacioretty progresses as he is nearing return for the Hurricanes. So let's get on to the games that the Canes have played. Uh, the first game we'll cover is the Chicago game here where the Canes won 3 to nothing. In the first period of this game, you have both Jesper Faust and Martin Natchez scoring. The first goal obviously being Natchez from Burnton Stasny. Obviously Burns fires the puck at Mrazek, former Canes legend, uh, Peter Mrazek. And Natchez kind of was able to get a tip and it just trickles through Mrazek into the net. At first I thought that was Svetch's goal because I thought he tipped it. Because... Even though it trickled through Mrazek, it was kind of slow moving toward the net, and eventually go it goes in. But good goal uh, from Natchez as he tips it, and Burns gets another ass- assist. Who I think Burns has been playing just elite hockey these past few games. I thought he was really evident in the Florida g- Florida game, in my opinion. But Burns, he gets an assist in the first period from Natchez, and it's one to nothing, Carolina. And honestly, in this first period, Carolina dominated. At the end of it, they get 23 shots. Chicago has seven. 23 shots in the first period. That's just wow. And then after Natchez's goal, you have Jesper Foss scoring from Brett Pesci and Brady Shea. This was another goal that was tipped tipped in. Um, obviously, you get uh, the shot from Brett Pesci, to, and Mrazek stops it, but Foss was able to get the rebound, and it, it, it trickles into the net, too, so... I, so even though these were goals, I wouldn't really call them like good quality shots. There were some fortune for the Canes there on those goals, but obviously you ha- in hockey, I think you have to work for that luck. You have to work to get the fortune, and the Hurricanes definitely got that. So it's 2-0 into the first period. I thought... Peter Mrazek, honestly, their goaltender, was a little bit slow during that first period. But the more shots I think that that he was able to stop, he was able to gain confidence. And he honestly, I thought, was Chicago's best player on the ice because we just had a lot, a lot of shots. In the second period, though, I thought Carolina kind of held back a little bit. I did not think they played a good second period at all. And, in fact, I thought Chicago was the better team in the second period. And shots a little bit showed who was the better team with Chicago getting 10 shots, Carolina 7. 
So, I mean, it might, the shots might not seem it was a dominant period. And I don't think it was a dominant period for either teams, but I thought Chicago was played their best period in the second period. So it's still two nothing into the second period for Carolina. And then in the third period, you have Martinook kind of sealing the fate of Chicago, getting a, a goal. And that was a hardworking goal by the stall line. This stall line has honestly been just excellent so far this entire season for the Hurricanes. I think that is a huge factor of why this Canes team is on a 10-game winning streak. As I am recording this, I have not watched the Pittsburgh game yet. But, my gosh, 3 nothing. Carolina wins it against Chicago. And Carolina came back out that third period and played like they did in the first. They played a lot better. They asserted themselves more in the offensive zone. The thing was that Mrazek was doing really well. He really was. So it's 3 to nothing. Carolina and Ronta, he gets a shutout because Ronta actually starred in this game. One thing I do want to talk about with Ronta, though, is that I have seen a lot of hate on Ronta on Twitter and obviously other social media apps. And I just want to say, listen, I understand you want to see Kachakov. I was hoping to see Kachakov this game. I really was. So I understand if you just wanted to see him play, but that that does not mean you have to hate on Ronta because Ronta, coming into Chicago, I thought played very good. The past couple games were the Philadelphia game that he played and the Dallas game, even though that was a couple weeks ago. So his, his most recent games leading up to this was the back-to-back Pennsylvania trip with Pittsburgh away and Philadelphia. I would argue um, probably Ronta's best game is the Florida game, which we will get to here in a few seconds. But the Pittsburgh game, I thought Ronta was pretty good overall. Yeah, I think there might have been a couple goals he could have saved, but he played really well in that Pittsburgh game. And he played good enough for them to get the win. And I think he has been playing good enough, and I thought he elevated his game in the Florida game. In the Philly game with Ronta, I thought, honestly, it was just the defense that was just terrible in front of him. You cannot allow two breakaways and leave your goalie out to dry like that. That is on your defense, not on your goalie. Ronta has been playing better. Let's not bring any hate on him. So it's going to be interesting how we write him out uh, through the start of the new year. But the hate, it's too much. And there shouldn't be any hate on Ronta, to be honest, because he's been playing fantastic. He really has. So now let's get to the Florida game. Oh, and another thing about the Chicago game. Uh, The total shots, I believe, was 49 shots for Carolina, just one shy of 50, and Chicago getting 24. Carolina, they really pushed hard on Mrazek 
almost, I would say through 40 minutes of that game. And Mrazek, I thought, played pretty good for them. So, yes. So, let's get to the Florida game, which, to me, this was Ronta's best game. And we will get to that. So, first period, you have Stefan Nason scoring from Ajo and Burns. And that was on the power play. Ajo was able to get a shot that almost made it in. It kind of, I thought, paralyzed Spencer Knight, who was their goaltender, a little bit. And and because of that, I think Nason was able to get the rebound and score. Nason is pretty good around the net, especially when it comes to the power play. And this was the game where special teams, if if you're if you dominated the special teams, you won the game. And the Hurricanes did just that. Even though I w- will say this. Your penny- penalty kill might be elite. And I think they were elite against the Florida game. But you cannot go back to that well. So one thing I think the Hurricanes could take from this Florida game is to not take so many penalties. I know there was um, taken off the helmet by Jordan Martinuk, which... To me, that might have been a penalty, which I think they didn't really have to call. But the other penalties I did think was on Carolina pretty well. So just one thing is to just stay disciplined. And the Canes didn't really do that the Florida during the Florida game, but it didn't bite them in the butt. Fortunately, their penalty kill was just elite. So second period, you have Carolina going up one to nothing heading into it. And it is Andrei Svechnikov scoring from Burns and Natchez. And boy, what a heck of a shot that Svechnikov has. He has really, I think, elevated his game this season of his goal scoring production. And that's also on the power play. Great shot from right above the hash marks, I believe on night and it goes off the post. And then you could hear the, the ring off of that post. You really could have. And then you have Tara Vinan scoring from Jarvis and KK and I do want to talk about KK a little bit this game because I thought this was KK's best game in a while. KK played really, really well. In fact, I thought his line played pretty good throughout the whole game. Even though I might would have said, just, just from me watching the game, I thought it might have been a little bit better uh, during the first half of the, uh, of the game. But KK, he's, he he played so well during the Florida game, and I'm happy because this is a player who you know has struggled throughout the season, and now he is getting rewarded. And he's getting rewarded pretty in the past few games, not just this Florida game. I believe he's on a point streak. Let me check real quick if he is. On a point. Okay, no, so he's not. But get this. He has five points in the past five games. 
He got he didn't get any points in the Chicago game. But he got two points in Florida and he got a goal against Philly and New Jersey and he got an assist at Pittsburgh. So he's he he's elevated his game a little bit, which is good because we need him to elevate his game. And it's gonna be very interesting to see how he's utilized when Patch Ready comes back. So that was a great goal by Tara Vinen. And what was interesting about that goal is that Jarvis, you could tell he was going for the shot, but he actually mishandled it. And instead instead and he missed the shot actually. So the puck goes off of one of Florida's players skates and Tara Vining was able to find that loose puck and get it get it in right between the post and the skate of Spencer Knight. So that was a great goal and again another power play goal for the Hurricanes. So we go into the third period with it being three to nothing. And in the third period, it is KK scoring his second point of the game with an assist by Pesci and Jarvis. And that goal, I was honestly surprised by Florida's defense of just letting him walk in. I don't know what Florida's defense was doing on that goal. Now, granted, this was kind of in a playoff I'm sorry, not playoff, but power play type of goal anyways, because even though the power play just ended, I believe it was in, I, it was Matthew, it could have been Matthew Kachuk's penalty, I believe. No, it wasn't. It was actually Anton Lindell's penalty of tripping against Tara Vinan. It was actually skating out to get back, but he was not able to get back in order to cover KK's shot that eventually led to a goal. So good for KK. He gets two points in this game. And it, it I mean, it's just weird because Carolina on the power play hasn't really been stellar, but during the Florida game, they're able to score three I believe the power play was three for yeah, power play was three for five, and the penalty kill was six for six. So Carolina really won this special teams battle, and that was enough in order for them to win. And to be honest, five on five when it came to that, I thought Florida was really pushing. I thought that was when Florida would play their best game, but. Credit to Carolina's defense, uh, especially the top four with Burns, Slavin, Pesci, Shea. They didn't give Florida anything. They really didn't. I thought Florida's best player was honestly Sam Bennett. He was really trying to get a goal. And and this is how Brendan Moore likes his home games is that he always puts the stall line out against the other team's top players. And what's amazing is that they're still able to have so much possession of the puck. It's just amazing what that stall line can do. And and I think a huge credit to that is the work ethic. 
I'm sorry, the work ethic that that line brings. There's not a lot of skill with that stall line. I think the player that has the most skill on that stall line is actually Jordan Stall himself. But there's so much work ethic that these guys bring. And to be honest, I think if every player, including the top six, had the aggressiveness and work ethic of Martinuk, I think this team would be probably where Boston's at right now in the standings, maybe even higher. Because I think Mart because I think Martinuk, to be honest, has the best worth work ethic on the team and the work ethic is what generates the goals. And it definitely did with the with his goal against Chicago. That was completely work ethic. Cause Martinuk, I mean he had he kinda had a wide open net. It was a, there, there was a scrum right in, in front of the goalie uh with Stahl and Foss right there in the mix of it. Martinuk comes in, he sees the loose puck, and he scores. So it's work ethic that's driving this line and the aggressiveness that comes out of it. And it's just so well done. They've been honestly fantastic in my opinion and now let's get on to the new jersey game wow that game was something five to four shootout win for the hurricanes and we'll go through the goals here boy that was some game it it ups my blood pressure a little bit it really did but you know what it was a very great competitive game throughout. So first period, there were no goals this game. Well, sorry, just for the first period. But I actually thought in the first period, especially early on, I thought New Jersey uh, had the edge on the Hurricanes. And part of that was because of the two penalties that Carolina made with the high stick on Netchus. And the interference penalty on Brady Shea. But overall, the PK was 100% tonight. Again, like it was the previous game against Florida. So we go into the second period with no goals. And it took a while to get that first goal. And I have always believed that the longer it takes to get the first goal, the more important it is to get the first goal. Tonight wasn't really that case because there were a lot of goals scored after that. But the first goal that scored was Derek Stepan. Boy, that that line was so good. And they actually... I'm looking at the stat sheet right now. And at first... They didn't really give an assist, the secondary assist, to KK. But now they did, and I'm happy because he actually deserved to get an assist on the first goal of Derek Stepan, which was just really good because KK was pinned to the boards. He was able to get it out so that Nason could get get it and create the two-on-one chance. And... Just Nason being patient and timely on that two and one, he passes it to Stepan, who gets an open net to score on, and he does. Stepan scores, it is one to nothing. However, we know it's New Jersey. They have very talented forwards, and it's Jack Hughes that's tying it up. 
from Mercer and Ericala. Boo. Yeah, I know, I know. Er Ericala fans do not like him. I think he is probably the most hated former Hurricane that I know right now. Either him or Elias Lindholm. It's one of the two. But Jack Hughes puts on a phenomenal power forward skill on Slavin and Ronta. He is, the thing about that goal is that Slavin was not in a good position. And because of that poor positioning, Hughes was able to get around him and get around Ronta and just score right in between the post and the skates because it, that was such a good power move on Jack Hughes. And, like, I mean, you could blame Slavin for the poor positioning. You could, but I'm telling you, Hughes, he is such a electrifying player. And and I think Slavin, I, I still think he's still one of the top defensive defensemen. Because even if he is poorly positioned, Slavin can still uh, poke the puck away. But Hughes just showed that he was the better player in that moment. Not a lot of players can get past Slavin, and not a lot of players have gotten past Slavin. So, I mean, was this a mistake by Slavin? Yes. But you know what? At least the Hurricanes won it in the end. That was the most important thing. They won it against the team that is right behind them in the Metropolitan Division. And it is tied one-to-one. And the good thing is, is that their goalie, Mackenzie Blackwood, gave a gift to Sebastian Ajo to score on an open net. So thank you, Mackenzie Blackwood, for that. Uh, Ajo actually... I thought this was his best game since coming back from injury. Ajo played a superb, superb game. And he was actually able to uh, try and get the puck, even though he couldn't control it. It went out to Blackwood. And Blackwood just looked, just whiffed on the pass and and just gave it to Slavin. It was Slavin, I'm sorry, not Slavin, Ajo. Ajo was all alone, and he just scores it in on the open net. So that was a nice gift from Blackwood. Thank you so much, Blackwood, for that. So it, it And that was a shorthanded goal, too. And I believe it was Tripp saying during the game that I think Ajo is two away from tying Eric Stahl in the most shorthanded goals for the Hurricane. So I definitely think Ajo can do that. At his age... And the contract that he is on, I think Ajo can, I think he could tie it and even go beyond Eric Stahl's shorthanded goals because Ajo is such an elite player. And tonight he showed that. So it is two to one. Carolina is winning going into the third period. And unfortunately, it is Jesper Brad that ties it. Jesper Brad is another just electrifying player for New Jersey that's on a very good contract for them. And he, he he's able to 
tie it right there for New Jersey. Now, when it comes to the Jesper Brack goal, though, I think Ronta should have had that because it was five-hole. And I thought he should have had the other Jesper Brack goal in a minute here. We'll get to that, though. But it, it gets tied up again with it being 2-2, two to two, but then the fourth line continues to play dominant in this game. And that's one of the biggest takeaways in this game of how the Hurricanes won. The fourth line was playing great. You had Ajo playing great. And I thought the second line and the, and the stall line had their moments, but what really stuck out was the fourth line and Sebastian Ajo just turning it up to the level where we know where he can be at. So it is Derek Stepan scoring his second goal of the game, which was a really nice goal, as it was a rebound from a Calvin DeHaan shot. So Stepan really showing how good of a player he can be. Now, I think he's not the player like he was several seasons ago with the Rangers, but he's still, I think, a pretty good player, at least a good fourth-line player. And it, the Hurricanes are up 3-2, to two, and then and it's in this third period where really the madness begins for the Hurricanes as Nico Hiche ties it up again. So there's a lot of... New Jersey players just tr- tying the game, and he he say he makes a uh, goal, and this was a wraparound goal, as I remembered on Ronta. Now Teravine and he should have gotten that puck out near the boards, but unfortunately he couldn't. And Ronta he was able to get back to the post, but because of how he positioned himself, he let. Um, the five hole wide open, and Hiche was able to get it through that. I'm telling you, New Jersey, they are such a fast team, and they're a fun team to watch. And to me, this was part of the reason why I thought this was such a just a great game overall because I think both New Jersey and Carolina are really good with their transition game. And when you have two teams facing each other in a game like that, it's an exciting game. It really is. So Hiche ties it ties it for New Jersey. New Jersey once again ties it. They are not going away. They're too talented to just let this game sit back. And unfortunately, it is Jesper Bratt that uh, gives New Jersey the their first lead of the game. And out of all the goals that Ronta al- allowed, that was the weakest of them all, of course. So I didn't really like the two Jesper Brackles that R- Ronta allowed because those were, one was five hole and the second goal was right under the armpit of Ronta. So those aren't really... Goals you want to allow. Uh, Ron, this was not Ronta's best game, obviously. But again, he is good enough to get them to win. And then 
a lot of penalties happen with within like just a, a, basically maybe a minute. I believe, yeah, basically almost within a minute. There are four penalties. Teravainen goes for a trip, but the player that gets tripped gets an embellishment. We got a huge break of that because I didn't see any embellishment whatsoever. And and, and we both made it, both Sam and I made it known to you guys that it makes no sense to call both a penalty and an embellishment. It's either one or the other. So I don't really like that, but we get, but the Canes catch a break there. And then Dawson Mercer goes for a high sticking against Brett Pesci and Ryan Graves goes for a delay of game. And now it's a four on three for the Hurricanes and they were able to score on the power play from Netches, which was such a good silent wrister um, to the net with Svetch making a great net front presence on Blackwood. And Blackwood, he didn't even see the puck. He really didn't. So Kane's tie it. And going into overtime, my gosh, this overtime was just crazy because both teams had possession of the puck at least probably three times each because it was going back and forth in the overtime and Carolina they had a couple of opportunities to end it with Slavin and Jarvis on the breakaway that was when my blood pressure really ran up during this game as they could not to get the goal, and then it heads into overtime, and it is Andrei Svechnikov scoring the goal on Blackwood in the shootout to win it. And the Canes now extend their point streak to 11 games. Now, the last segment of this episode is I am going to cover the 10-game winning streak that we had. So I am not counting the New Jersey game. I'm just counting the 10-game win streak that the Canes were on because that set the franchise record. Not 11 games. It was a 10-game mark. So here are a couple interesting things here. During that 10-game winning streak mark, Jordan Stahl led the team in points. It wasn't Sveshnikov. It wasn't Natchez. Definitely not Ajo, as Ajo only played two game, the last two games in that 10-game winning mark. But it was Jordan Stahl with nine points, four goals, five assists. And if you look at all the got all the players that got points during that time span. You can tell that everybody pretty much contributed. 11 players got more than five points during that time point. Like, my gosh. Just, I'll give you some of the stats here. So, Jordan Stahl, four goals, five assists, nine points during that time. Andrei Svechnikov, four goals, three assists, seven points. Gasperi Kokniemi, who's been 
doing pretty well and continued his point streak tonight today against New Jersey at the time I am recording this. Seven points. Brent Burns, zero goals, seven assists, seven points. Natchez, three goals, four assists, seven points. Brady Shea, he got two goals, four assists, six points. Faust, three goals, three assists, six points. Martinuk, three goals, three assists, six points. Which means that that stall line combined for over 20 points during that 10-game winning span. That just proves to you how effective this stall line has been. Just a while. And Kachekov, he played, but both Kachekov and Ranta, they both split the games, five games apiece. Kachekov in that time span had a 955 save percentage, and Ranta had a 919 save percentage. Some other stats for you guys during this time span. 57 goals, which is 3.56 goals per average, or sorry, per game. And then 32 goals against, which was 2 point, well, sorry, just 2 goals allowed per game. Both the defense and the offense are doing well. Now, Granted, this is a team that naturally plays a defensive type of game. But they're doing excellent. And if you look at the standings and sort of by goals against, Carolina's number two. They're right behind Boston in goals against. So this team is very hard to get goals against. Now, the New Jersey game and the Philadelphia game, both of those games, I mean, Carolina had some defensive miscues, and goaltending wasn't as sharp. But those are exceptions, of course, because through most of these games, Carolina plays a very defensive, structured game. And that's part of the reason why they have extended the 10-game winning streak against the win- against New Jersey to 11. Just very, very great for this Canes team. I am so happy for them. And this, and that New Jersey game, I'm telling you, that was just something. Uh, I really wanted them to win, although I would have been oh, fine if they had lost to New, Jer- New Jersey based on how good they have been playing because eventually at some point the winning streak is going to stop. It is. And at some point, the 17-game point streak is going to stop. It's a long season. It's going to happen. But Hurricanes were able to get two points against a divisional team. And that's what you need from this team, especially against divisional teams. So they were able to get ahead. New Jersey... And they are now, I believe there's a seven game, or not, sorry, not seven game, but seven point gap between Carolina and New Jersey. So Carolina was able to extend that, which is very good for them. So yeah, uh, there is no 25th 
anniversary segments for this episode as Sam Driscoll's not on this episode, but we will we will resume it for next week. Remember, if you like this podcast, please hit that subscribe button, rate, do all the stuff that could ha- that can help us out. Wherever you get your podcast, we will see you guys next week.